Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is about insurance, stocks, bonds, retirement, estate planning, everything financial. That's the bottom line. Our guests bring their insights and perspectives about their topics of expertise. Remember, planning is not about the plan. It's about the results. And that's what we try to bring to you a little bit about here, thinking about it from Talk Money's perspective. We've got some things going on. You know, the whole reality is their predictions. It's time to make those resolutions and predictions that you hear a lot on the media. Well, I've got a couple that I think you might find interesting. USA Today writer Kelly Kennedy predicted in May the 20, actually on May the 22nd of 2013, in an article that she says market forces and an impetus to attract younger, healthier people into the insurance market will help keep health insurance premiums lower as the affordable. Affordable Care Act takes effect in January the 1st of 2014. Of course, we found out that prediction, it didn't quite work out that way. Here's another one. Mark Faber. Everybody knows Mark Faber, CNBC fame. He is the editor of Gloom, Doom, and Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report. He predicted in August of 2016 that the S&P was set to crash, ready for this, 50%, 50%. From a you know from August the ninth of his prediction date twenty sixteen, closed of course as we know at that time twenty one eighty two and it has rose that index has rose twenty six percent to twenty seven point four twenty seven forty three and of course CNBC backs that up with their of course reading that prediction but that's as of January the fifth of twenty eighteen so what do you find out we can make predictions but we don't always know how they're going to come out here's one that I thought but pretty good it says our economy begins in the hundred third month of growth this week. And that's pretty good. And experience exceeded only two times since 1900. The candidates, remember this? Donald Trump said, he predicted in in May of uh, 2016 that the U.S. was in course set for a very big, massive recession. I quote, because the country is setting on an economic uh, economic bubble. That's coming from Reuters. So, you know, what happens? Even the president can't make predictions that come true. But we've got some people coming up in today's program that's going to help us figure out how to manage that. The first half of the program, we have Rusty Leonard, CEO and founder of Stewardship Partners, who is a frequent guest of ours. He'll give us an update on the market and the results of 2017 and what to be looking for in 2019, 2018 and even further on out to 2019. In the second half of the program, Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson, they're going to be discussing what not to do. As an investor, how to protect what you built and what not to do. They'll answer your questions about investing and managing not only your investment bucket, but your 401k bucket. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.6. This is Talk Money. (laughs) 
Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South weather from News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center. Brought to you by The Crescent Club. Hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240. Call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Another foggy start to your day. Good morning from the Severe Weather Center. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. Cloudy skies, mist, drizzle, even a few hit and miss showers still to be expected today. Temperatures will hold in the lower 60s behind the southerly winds. It will be in the upper 50s by daybreak and will warm into the mid-60s with rain likely on Thursday. A big cold front tomorrow night means much colder air and even a chance for a wintry mix of precipitation for early on Friday. Memphis Spine and Rehab relocating to Germantown across from Chick Filet on Wolf Trail Cove. Check out TheMemphisSpine.com or call 901-751-0939. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, Let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Shoemaker Financial and Security and Financial Services do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and legal situation. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. 
And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we were going to be we're going to be talking with uh, Rusty Leonard in just a moment. Just uh, let me go ahead and do this. You know, we got so many things to cover today. I want to tell you the second half of the program. We're really going to talk about kind of the idea behind what not to do and how to manage what you're going to be doing as far as 2018 and your investing and how what you looked at in 2017. But the reality is we've got to make sure that we give you some very solid advice. You don't want to miss the second half of the program. But let me introduce my guest, Rusty Leonard. He is the CEO and founder of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours. Rusty, welcome to the program, sir. Always a pleasure to be with you. You know, when the last time we talked, we were talking, I guess it was back in November. The reality, the market consistently was hitting high up on, you know, another high, just consistently going like that. And I, the monologue this, this morning, I was talking to him basically about the reality of how predictions just, we talk about prediction. I talked about Mark Faber's gloom, doom, and boom report that he predicted in 2016. You, you may remember this, that the S&P was set to crash at 50%, 50% crash, and that was in August of 2016. Of course, as you know, it's done quite well all the way up through by about 26%. The reality being, everybody tries to make these predictions. Sometimes they're trying to sell our time more than they are trying to really make a, an educated prediction. What do you think about that? How do you feel about all that stuff and then seeing what the market's doing? Well, yeah, you know, people like uh, Mark Faber uh, just have a cottage industry of gloom, doom, and boom, right? So they try to keep the gloom and doom going, and uh, there's a market for it. And so they're always uh, going to be gloomy, and there's a time to be gloomy, and there's a time to be optimistic, uh, but he's always going to be gloomy. I've followed his career for, gosh, 30 years at least, and he's been consistently gloomy <laughs> that whole time. And, uh, you know, somehow you would think that that would, you know, it would get old and tiresome, but, uh, you know, he manages to keep uh, keep his business going, and there's a there's a market for it. So yeah. people, investor, investors need to know that uh, there are certain uh, market prognosticators that uh, have these very strong biases and are not uh, necessarily fair-minded and not get themselves too worked up one way or the other by what those folks say. That's a great uh, point. And, very great point. Well, we've had new record highs. After you see this over and over, it's, I mean, the opposite side of this gloom and doom from Mark Faber is, what do we think about this excitement that's going on in the market? I even heard someone predict uh, that we may have a gross domestic product of GDP go over 4% this year. I'm just looking for your insight. Is it is this a time to just keep putting money into it, or what do you think? What's, what's, what's your take for what's going on? Well, if you have a very long-term investment horizon, uh, you're you're going to be sitting on your investments for you know five years or longer. You can easily go ahead and put your your money in now, and it'll probably uh, work out reasonably well. If you need to draw on that money uh, sometime within a five-year, three to five-year time frame in particular, you probably want to start thinking about getting more cautious uh, about the investment world because things are you know really quite high, and there's various a multitude of indicators indicating to professionals like ourselves that things are very extended, uh, exceptionally so, you know, and a very unusual level of optimism and uh, greed, basically, entering into the marketplace. Now, there's no guarantee that that will turn into bad investment results in the short term. It could go on forever. And, uh, you know, both of us, unfortunately, are old enough to remember what happened in, like, 1998 when uh, the market kind of went crazy on the upside. And you thought, well, this is getting out of hand. 
and you know, all of 1999 and all the way through March of 2000, it continued to be a, a, a rising, a rapidly rising market as the marketplace just kind of lost its mind. So it's very difficult to determine exactly, you know, when a, a peak is going to be in. But it's sometimes easier to determine when you're in the neighborhood of that peak. And I think we're kind of in the neighborhood of that peak right now. And uh, it wouldn't take much to send this market a little bit lower. On the, on the other side of that equation, though, is that the global economy, as you pointed out, is looking very good. And so it's kind of hard to see the market selling off, uh, you know, in a kind of a crash mode like we saw in 2008 and 2000 uh, without the economy somehow stumbling and falling from its current lofty perch, and it does look like it has a pretty good outlook. So any kind of uh, setback in the market should be pretty temporary, I would think. Well, one of the things I said earlier, too, in April of 2016, Donald Trump, you know, he made his prediction that the U.S. is on course for a very massive recession. And, of course, now, you know, that he said, <laughs> he said we're on a, in a big recession, economic bubble. Reuters uh, put that out recently. And, of course, we just entered our 103rd month of growth. So what you're saying is, you know, it's just you have to just look at it from the long term and not get caught up uh, so much in this short term. But let me ask you this, because I think about Mr. Trump and I'm thinking about, OK, President Trump and prior to his election, he was making these candidate type statements. But uh, why is the market so optimistic today? Is it is it Trump? Is, I mean, has he had that kind of effect? I know he's going to get blamed if it goes south, but, uh, you know, is he getting any credit for it going upward, you might say? I think he's getting credit for it going upwards in the in the stock market in that little part of the world. Uh, everybody knows that the tax uh, bill is something that's going to be beneficial for uh, corporations. Their tax you know payments are going to go much lower. That means they have more money to spend to grow their businesses and reward their shareholders. So that's something that's definitely uh, going you know going to be favorable. And of course, the average individual is also going to have lots more money. So that's going to in- increase the earnings of corporations. So clearly, the uh, the Trump tax bill is something that's been positive for the market. It may be too positive, right? Though it may be, I've kind of joked in the past that uh, this Trump tax bill has been discounted by the market, which means that the market has taken in, it into account in its pricing of stocks about 15 different times. <laughs> so it may be over overly optimistic at this stage because it's uh, kept going, rising, 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 rising on the uh, Trump tax bill. But I would also say that Trump has been a major boon for business by virtue of just halting the regulatory burden that uh, the Obama administration had just continued to layer upon businesses over and over again. So he's brought that to a halt and reversed it to some degree, and that's brought optimism to the business sector as well. Many, yeah, many of the CEOs that I talk to talk about just the optimism of a change, the mental change that took place in January of last year. So that's kind of what you're saying. You know, let me ask this, I guess, not thinking about, you know, Trump or what's going on. But the reality is, why why would why would you say the idea of this market being a little bit um, overextended? What why? What's the thought? The global economy seems to be doing well. I mean, we've seen the whole movement. But, but is that good or do you see that as the kind of that we are at a point where it has to do it has to correct? I think we're pretty close to a point where it has to correct at least a little bit. So we've gone for 14 straight positive months, which is, you know, kind of unprecedented. Uh, uh, I think the previous record was 11 straight positive months. We never had a year. I don't I don't believe we ever had a year where every single month of the year right. was positive until 2017. Uh, in addition, we had zero volatility almost. I mean, the biggest uh, scary time uh, for the market in 2017, I think, was in March when the market fell 2.8% at one point in time for a very brief amount of time. I mean, these are just tiny, tiny setbacks. And so markets have setbacks. That's just normal. 
Uh, even back in the 1998-1999 period, we were talking about markets where the marketplace was just going out of its mind through the moon. We still had months when the markets you know, had setbacks. Uh, so this is a very, very unusual time. It's about as ideal of a time for an investor in 2017. You couldn't ask for a better year in the history of U.S. investing in particular uh, than you had in 2017. And, you know, that's probably not going to continue. Mm. And the fact that it was so perfect tends to draw people in uh, perhaps more so than they should be drawn in. And so then things get overdone and the optimism gets overdone and the greed gets over, starts to kick into gear and people start making silly decisions and, and you know, presuming that this is never going to end. And they're all, and that's basically when the market's set up for a fall. And it's pretty easy for it to fall uh, when those conditions are, are ripe like they are now. So that's... I wouldn't be surprised at all if we had a, a short-term setback. But given the strength of the overall economy, unless something undermines that, you know, from something comes in from left field and, and slows the, the economy down, I don't think you're going to see uh, that any setback be a, a long-lasting one. So a setback probably, but not, not long-lasting. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty strong. And I think one of the things we're going to try to do in the second half of the program, Rusty, is I've got two guys here. We're going to talk about some things just the investors should not do. And that's kind of what you're saying there. Be prepared for that setback. It's, it, it's coming. You know, we know the market's going. Yeah, it's inevitable. But don't get caught up in it. That's great. Let me ask you this. And again, I don't always, I'm not a recommender of this particular investment and would not uh, jump on its bandwagon. But cryptocurrency, it is sure in the news today. What do you think? I, I think you should run as far as you can <laughs> away from that. Uh, it's a scary, scary proposition, and it's reflective of this kind of optimism and greed that's you know filtered into the marketplace. Uh, normally, that kind of optimism and greed would be in the stocks, but I think uh, the cryptocurrencies have siphoned some of the the uh, the investors or speculators is probably a better word. They've siphoned some of those speculators out of the stock market into the cryptocurrency marketplace, and so that's where all the uh, action is and all the you know fast moving. Uh, prices are in that particular sector. And so to a certain extent, I guess it's benefited stocks because it's kept that speculative element out of the stock market uh, to some degree, and it's just transferred it over there. But to the folks that are involved in those, uh, they're going to listen to me say negative things about it, and and they're just going to chuckle to themselves, what an idiot that guy is. (laughs) I would just say, if you're listening and you have some exposure to the cryptocurrency market, you should really, really take a moment, take a breath, stop. If you've, you've done well, you probably should cash in your chips right now and, and head for the exits as fast as you can. And I, you probably think I'm a nut for saying so, but uh, maybe a week from now, or maybe a month from now, maybe a quarter from now, maybe a year from now, I'm not quite sure how long it'll take, but there's certain, it's already started to crash in some of those markets right. all over the place. But, and this morning, just, if you don't believe me, uh, Warren Buffett was on CNBC this morning and he said that he can say with almost 100% certainty that it's going to end badly for those cryptocurrency markets. So if you think you know, I may not be the wisest guy out there, and you, but you believe Buffett, you know, trust Buffett and uh, and take your money and run as fast as you can. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, we just wouldn't recommend it. I mean, I think people can get caught up in it. You're, you said the statement, speculators, this is kind of that speculator playing field and let them play with that. But for us, our, you know, the where we want our understanding, our clients and you, the people that you deal with, this is not a type of long-term investment, and we would not recommend it. Let me uh, ask you this. Of course, if you just tuned in, my guest right now, Rusty Leonard, CEO and founder of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours. We're talking about market last year, 2017, market this year, 2018, the economy. And I, I am so pleased to have Rusty on the program because he always brings a wealth of knowledge. Rusty, this is my question. We saw a 
a pushed through, bottom line, pushed through tax reform act. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, where it took Reagan two and a half years, Trump got it done in two and a half months. Now, let me let me throw this into, is that what's going to drive 2018's market? Or is that just, again, the icing on the cake that was already fueled by just, just this release of of the restrictions that we had seen in the prior administration? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it is, uh, there's a risk to this tax reform. Obviously, we celebrated having more money in our pockets versus the government's pockets is a good thing. It right. slows down their, their stupid spending and hopefully increases our, our wiser spending. So it's definitely a, a good thing to have a tax cut. But it's come at the exact wrong time from a classical economic analysis analysis perspective. So at the we've had a nine-year almost uh, recovery in the economy. Uh, we used during that period of time to create that recovery a lot of uh, government debt to fund uh, various programs to keep the economy going during the most difficult times. Uh, what you normally should do if you were a rational uh, economic advisor who was running the country, you would say, okay, now's the time to actually raise taxes, pay off some of that debt we accumulated to keep the economy going during the weak times, yep. calm the eco- economic growth down here now, don't let it go go crazy and cause some inflation. But instead, we, for political purposes, and uh, we've you know, obviously said this is more important to have this tax cut and uh, to fulfill Trump's uh, campaign promises. And so what we're doing is we have a, a already strengthening the economy that is now going to have poured on top of it some gasoline to light the fire even hotter in this tax cut, and we run the risk of inflation. And if inflation really kicks in the gear, that's generally bad for uh, for the markets, but certainly for the bond market and uh, oftentimes for the stock market as well. And so that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. It's not clear that that's going to be the result, but that's certainly a higher, much higher risk as a result of uh, where the economy is is now already growing fast. Now throw some gasoline on that and let it really, let the fire really cook up. You could easily finally, after all these years of fighting, really wanting some inflation, we may get more of it, more of inflation than what we want. And it may have an impact on the markets before the years out. Well, that kind of brings me to my last point. We've got about a minute left, and the reality is, I guess you've you've kind of almost said it, but anything else as far as your bigger, your bigger risk? I mean, you see you see inflation, you see that we've raised, you know, lowered taxes in a time we probably should have raised uh, taxes. Anything else you see? I mean, outside of geopolitical problems in North Korea or wherever, what else do you see as the, the investor needs to be thinking about for 2018? Well, it's just look around at your fellow investor, and uh, if you're talking to your brother-in-law at, uh, at his birthday party, and he is just exuberant about investing in stocks, and he's got three or four names that you definitely have to put your money into yesterday, and you know this is going to be the next greatest thing, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it's that exuberance level that is kicking into the marketplace that always ends badly uh, because it indicates that almost everybody has put their last dollar in the market, and there's nobody left to buy, and so we are we are certainly in in the range of of that. Uh, exuberance being exhibited in the marketplace, and it could, you know, at least in the short run, could end badly. But from an economic perspective, it's really hard to point out uh, something that's clearly on the horizon that would scare us. There's uh, there's a lot of good things going on economically right around the globe. Uh, but you said earlier we ought to be thinking about, again, the idea that there is going to be a correction, and, you know, we just need to think and plan that in our whole program. Rusty, as always, sir, it is a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you for kind of explaining a little bit of 2017 and helping us know what's going on for 2018. Sir, have a great day. And you as well. May all your listeners have a great 2018 as well. Thank you, sir. Well, you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice Talk Radio. For the Mid-South, this is Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to 
Talk Money. sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The Osgood File, sponsored in part by Dell Small Business. Talk to a Dell Tech Advisor today to find the right Dell PC for your business. This is Charles Osgood from the Dell Small Business Studios. Oil spills, like the BP spill back in 2010, are awful things to try to clean up. Hazmat suits rather than bathing suits. It's another sign that Grand Isle has become Grand Oil. Crude oil smears its seven-mile beach, closed by police order, other than cleanup crews. There are commercial products that soak up oil. They're called sorbents, and they certainly do help, but they do have serious limitations. There may be a better idea, though, as you'll hear after this. Three tours driving Humvees in Afghanistan. Six years treating soldiers. Twelve years flying choppers. When my sister came back from her last tour in Afghanistan, she didn't want to talk about it, but she knew I was there to listen. My son saved lives as a medic in the military, and I always remind him how much his service meant to our country. Sometimes my husband still has difficult memories. They can be overwhelming. With the Veterans Crisis Line, I know where to turn when we need support. I made the call and got support for my sister. I called because I was concerned about my son. We got him connected to care and it's made a difference. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans and their loved ones. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press one or chat online at veteranscrisisline.net. Some scientists at the Argonne National Laboratory in Illinois have come up with what amounts to super sponges that can absorb as much as 90 times their own weight. And then, just like the sponge you have on your kitchen sink, they can be squeezed out and reused. And much of the oil that they have picked up can be saved. The oil-soaking sponge consists of simple foam made of polyurethane or plastics coated with special molecules that attract oil. It worked in the lab. And then the researchers started thinking big. They created a big array of these oil-loving sponges, put them into mesh laundry bags, and dragged the bags through a large pool to practice emergency response to oil spills. And it worked. They say their super sponges performed much better than the commercial sorbent material. They're confident that their creation can work on spills near shore, which are especially hard to clean up. And they want to see if the sponges can handle things on an even bigger scale in the ocean. The Osgood File. I'll see you online at Facebook, Twitter, and at theosgoodfile.com. This is Charles Osgood. The Standard & Poor's 500, or S&P 500, is an unmanaged group of securities considered to be representative of the stock market in general. Index performance returns do not reflect any management fees, transaction costs, or expenses. One cannot invest directly in an index. Investment risks associated with real estate investing, in addition to other risks, including rental income fluctuation, depreciation, property tax value changes, and difference in real estate market value fees. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
And good morning again. You're listening, of course, to Talk Money. My guest in the second half for program is Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson. We're talking now about kind of looking at what Rusty was telling us. The reality is, uh, you know, he's optimistic, but he also told us, hey, there's some potential. We stretched to 2017, uh, literally 12 months in a row in 2017. We had a positive upswing in the market. We set records, 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 records. So we need to be thinking, is there a chance for a correction? Well, Rusty said, sure, it's always a chance for a correction. And we live in the investment world that corrections Happen. So let me just put it in perspective. You got a 10% correction, which would be a normal, we would all write that down. That's great. Not a 5% correction, but a 10% correction. I wanted you to think with me now if we have a 10% correction in this market today, the Dow would drop 2,500 points. Now, I know for a fact that most of you listening today, if the market started dropping and it hit this 2,500 point drop, you would get uh, nervous. You would get concerned. Most of us would because 2,500 points sounds like a lot of a point drop for the Dow. The reality is that's a 10% normal correction. Well, my guest in the second half of the program, we're going to talk about what happens with these the attitudes that we get caught up in about the fear, about how we'd make some actions and how we move some things and how we, you know, all these ideas of things we shouldn't be doing and how those things we shouldn't be doing compound the damage and lead to other problems that we shouldn't be doing. We just get caught up in the emotions. We get caught up in the media, a 2,500-point drop. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Well, Scott Jordan, Drew Johnson, guys, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here, Jim. Let's start with you, guy, uh, Scott. I mean, I want to just ask you, a lot of people get caught in this 10%. Let's just use that. I'm using that as a mindset. A 10% drop is to a lot of people. And the media, Mark Faber, who I talked about earlier, would jump on that in a heartbeat. And, I mean, he would predict a 50% complete collapse, if, you know, just knowing him. Now, how do you manage people? How do you ask, tell people in your practice not to follow the herd? Well, Jim, you know, one thing is important is to have a strategy and a reason why you're investing and stick to that plan. Not, you know, your ultimate success with any investment strategy is going to be to ignore that day-to-day noise and allow your investments time to work. So what we do is coach people through that. So you talk about your discipline. You know what I'm talking about when I say follow the herd? I mean, I'm thinking about everybody gets caught up. They heard it on the news. I mean, let's just talk about it. You can actually buy a car. Well, I bought a, 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 you know, a Ford Chevrolet or whatever car. And you said, well, it's a great car. So people have a tendency to go buy that type of car, a washing machine or, you know, your iPhone or whatever you're buying. And you move through that. You're probably, you know, likely you're, that's, you, we just do that because somebody else did it. And that's what we're talking about. Don't get caught up in this thought process of where you 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 gather up with everybody else and because everybody else is doing it you kind of move through that place and everybody jumps off the cliff and you jump off the cliff right you know drew what do you think about that well i think the herd typically tends to gather the most strength uh, right before it goes off a cliff <laughs> and i mean even a a 10 drop uh there, there's a statistic out there it's uh, the average entry year decline for the S&P is 14.4%, I think. So it's, it would even be bigger than a 2,500-point drop if we were just sticking to historical averages, and that's that's a big number. Uh, but as, as bull markets tend to run their course, uh, more and more people 
uh, tend to pile on, and because it can't go up to it can't go up forever. Uh, typically, right when the people are the most enthusiastic is right when it tends to right before it tends to drop. I think that's a great point. Uh, Rusty mentioned that too, and I think we need to. to, to kind of let our listeners understand whether you're following the herd with it going up or you're following the herd when it's going down you you said it Scott you need to be disciplined you don't need to be caught up in this herd and we're using that term kind of a herd mentality the emotional side and I'm trying to keep the emotions out where you're following because everybody else did it as Rusty mentioned you're with your brother-in-law at his birthday party and he says you need to do this and this and you get to doing that Scott you said basically be careful not to respond to whatever the herd's doing or not to respond to the media, the, what they're saying. I mean, the Mark Favors of the world or whoever. I'm using him because I mentioned him earlier. But the point being is, is have a plan. Have a plan. You know, Jim, you know, the higher the indexes get, the easier it is to, you know, have a drop during the day and it be the largest point drop ever in the Dow or, or whatever the headline might be. And it's easy to get caught up into those kind of headlines and make knee-jerk reactions that can compromise your long-term strategy. Yeah, let me give you a headline. Uh, back in November of 2012, uh, Time Magazine, this is Time Magazine, they issued an article that said, why stocks are dead? Why stocks are dead? This is 2012 now, and it was uh, documenting the gloomy equity forecast by manager, a very respected manager, Bill Gross. Now, let me tell you what, most everybody would have jumped on that and said, hey, I got it. The S&P had closed at 1406 in November 2012. And then, of course, as you know, the clo- it closed 2743 on January the 5th. And, that, you know, again, that's Time Magazine. How many of us would jump on and say, hey, Time Magazine, Bill Gross, I need to do this. I need to do That's what we're saying. Don't get caught up in that mindset. We have a tendency to read everybody's newsletter. And that's not healthy. We need to make sure we stay away from that. When we come back after this next break, I've got, uh, they're going to talk about how to not be an emotional investor. Some specific things about what you need to be thinking to do. That's Scott Jordan, Drew Johnson. They're my guest. We're going to go to Rebecca Brasher here now with the Mid-South History Moment. And when we come back, you may be looking for answers about what you need to do if we have a 10% correction. Number one, don't follow the herd. Number two, we'll let these guys tell us what's the rest of them. All right? We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice, the radio for the Mid-South. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. One important reason that Memphis is the large, prosperous city that it is is because its main urban rival to the north failed. It was called Randolph, just 40 miles upriver from Memphis, and no one in the early 1800s was sure whether Memphis or Randolph would become the dominant city in the region. The first people who moved to Memphis didn't experience attacks from Native Americans, but the city of Memphis was still far removed from the rest of the civilized United States in those days. In fact, Memphis grew so slowly that its original founders didn't make a profit from the money they invested in the city. Although Union troops destroyed Randolph during the Civil War, it was the early expansion of American railroads that really made the difference. 
Memphis got the railroad line instead of Randolph and subsequently emerged as the larger and more commerce-friendly place for regional farmers to come sell their crops and for those crops to be transported out of Memphis by boat. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Neither Securing Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners, Investment Council, Inc. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securing Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we've been talking with Drew Johnson and Scott Jordan. We're talking about what happens when you hear all these predictions and the media tells you that the market's going to have this huge correction. In fact, the head of the U.S. Equity and Strategy, the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, his name is Subramanian, I do the best I can with that, uh, predicted in August, excuse me, in October of 2016 that the U.S. would hit a recession sometime in the second half of 2017. Now, that's CNBC is saying that. So we've got a very respected, the you know, he's the head of the U.S. equity strategy of Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. That's a very respected individual. And he predicts a recession coming in the second half of 2017. And it was anything but that. And now everybody's having to. So what happens, guys? You get this predictions from respected people. We've talked about Bill Gross. We've talked about the guy from Merrill Lynch. We've talked about Mark Faber. All of these people. And if you're not careful, you know, Scott, you mentioned the fact that we get any kind of follow the herd mentality. But I guess I'm concerned, Drew, we become a little bit emotional. Just think with me now. The market starts tumbling. It goes down a thousand points. I mean, it's hard for people to do that. And there's some reasons for that. There is. There is. When you allow yourself to be caught up in the news cycle, you let your emotions take over. You become reactive. And especially since 2008, uh, with the drop that happened at the end of the year then, the psychology of investing has changed for a lot of people. A lot of people that used to be more comfortable investing have become uh, frozen. Uh, But what an investor today sees as risk is really just volatility. They're normal day-to-day swings in the market. It's going to go up and down uh, normally. And investments, when they're redeemed, they may be worth a little bit less than than when you bought them, than when you originally invested. Um, it it can be frightening, uh, but the risk is the real risk is being afraid to take risk in the market. And that's that's a critical statement. Is that's a great point there, you know, Drew? Is the risk is fear of taking risk. Now, if you're investing, and Scott, if you're investing for the long haul. How do you manage that emotional side? Do you just kind of say, I mean, I'm thinking in my head, if I look at this 5, 10, 15 years out, I, I shouldn't get caught up in what's happening in this, vol- if we see volatility. Now, you guys have got to remember, volatility has not been in our vocabulary for almost 15, 16 months. So tell me about that. What do you think? I mean, how do we manage through that process? Well, you know, Jim, the emotions, as we always say, are the enemy of any good investment strategy. And I think the the important thing there is to have a strategy and objective of why you're investing 
stick with the plan and plan for the normal ups and downs in the markets. Markets go up and markets go down. We know that's going to happen, and it's about being patient, right? I mean, you have to earn your returns in the market, and you earn those returns by being patient, sticking with a strategy, knowing why you're investing, and not getting derailed by any short-term downturns in the market. That's a, that's a great point. Not being derailed. That's that's a big word. Not being, get caught off guard or try to jump ship or get your emotions so high. So we've talked about following the herd. Don't do that. Keep your emotions under control. But Drew, in the office, you do one of these things that I think is so critical for all of our investment portfolio. You manage our diversification and also the rebalancing side. That's just, That's something we do every day. But we know a lot of people forget to do that. They get they don't think about that. I had someone come in one time and they were looking at it. They said, well, I've got five different types of investments. And, you know, and I said, okay, great. And we got to digging into it. You were actually helping me with this. And uh, we looked at what the, it was a particular mutual fund and they were going through this process. And the sad thing about it is they had four different things, but there were the fund family, the fund managers were buying all the same stocks. Uh, so, you know, they were loaded up in high quality, good stuff domestic equities, and they were not really diversified, as you and I might look at that. How do you help someone know that when you think about investing, one of the things they should not do is not be diversified and not rebalance? You're telling them, diversify and rebalance. Right. You want to not put all your eggs in one basket. Not everything is going to go up and down at the same time. You don't want everything to go up and down at the same time. When you rebalance, you are selling high and buying low, taking some of those profits that you've made, and then buying something else that is relatively cheap, waiting for that to appreciate, and then taking that profit as well. It allows you to uh, maintain a disciplined approach, and and it helps you to manage through the volatility as well. If you've got a plan where you're, you need the money in 10 or 15 years, it doesn't matter so much what happens in year two or in year seven. What matters is that you've achieved your goal by that year 10 or year 15 when you need it by. And rebalancing regularly is part of what helps you get there. Okay, rebalancing and diversification. I mean, biblically, I look at it from that standpoint, we're diversified seven times, even eight, because we don't know the future. Now, here's the thing. We need to help everybody understand diversification and rebalancing. The whole idea behind asset allocation and rebalancing doesn't guarantee against loss. That's not what we're saying. Not at all. But it is a method to use to manage risk, and that kind of helps a person in that emotional side, and it helps that person in risk. Because you said it, Drew, bottom line is things don't go up and down the same way. There is that thing we call it cross correlation there there is and and you never know what is going to do well in any given uh time frame any given year and so diversification is the is really the only rational way uh to invest if you want to minimize your risk as much as you can along the way. Let's make sure that we clear this up because I think this is so critical. Asset allocation really is managing, under, helping a person understand the management of his risk tolerance. And, you know, it's that, it's that safety factor. I call it my sleep factor. It's my ability to sleep at night where regardless of what's going on in the market. And so if a person understands proper allocation, proper diversification, you know, whether you got certain amount of stock, certain amount of bonds and cash, where is it that fits into your 
your makeup, and that should be able to help you follow, you know, not follow the herd and not get caught up as an emotional. Scott, what is your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Jim, we you, you said it well. We, we say this over and over again. It's really about asset allocation, diversification, and rebalance. And, you know, we always sit down with our clients and we use questionnaires and other aids to help help gauge their tolerance for risk. What is their tolerance for risk? What is their capacity for risk? And then we set up an asset allocation that's likely or has a historical uh, a historical best probability of meeting their goals. And we set that up and then you want to rebalance that to make sure you maintain that asset allocation according to their risk tolerance. That's so mm-hmm. critical. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to help us understand things. We get too complicated sometimes. We get too, we make investment world outside the norm. And I want us to clear that up for everybody. If you're listening and you just tuned in, Scott Jordan, Drew Johnson, we're talking about things you shouldn't do as an investor. You're listening to Jim Shoemaker and Talk Money. Thank you so much for being with us because when we come back, we're going to talk about keeping it simple. That's important. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South Weather from News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center. Brought to you by The Crescent Club. Hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240. Call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Another foggy start to your day. Good morning from the Severe Weather Center. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. Cloudy skies, mist, drizzle, even a few hit-and-miss showers still to be expected today. Temperatures will hold in the lower 60s behind the southerly winds. It will be in the upper 50s by daybreak and will warm into the mid-60s with rain likely on Thursday. A big cold front tomorrow night means much colder air and even a chance for a wintry mix of precipitation for early on Friday. Memphis Spine and Rehab relocating to Germantown across from Chick filet on Wolf Trail Cove. Check out TheMemphisSpine.com or call 901-750-0939. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. It is with sound mind and body that I, James Fredericks III, after fighting with all direct family members for decades, leave my entire fortune of $32 million to the one friend I had in the end, the package delivery guy. Matt Songer. Woohoo! Yeah! I had a feeling about this. Uh huh. I'm rich! Oh, this cannot be happening. Actually, it's not happening. What? What? And it never will. I don't get it. There aren't even people here. That's just one of those murmuring sound effects. Seriously? Listen, if you want to have money in your future, don't rely on luck. Huh. Put 10 bucks away each month. Cook once in a while instead of eating out. Okay. Pay down your high-interest credit cards. Right. Small changes today, big bucks tomorrow. So, no inheritance? Uh, no. Go to feedthepig.org for more free ideas. Feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. And just to be clear, no inheritance, right? Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, 
and probate needs, it's what we do. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice, the talk radio from the Mid-South. And you're listening to Talk Money. My guest today, Drew Johnson, Scott Jordan. And guys, we were talking before the break. We, we really said, you know, we're going through this rebalance. We're going through this whole idea of invo- avoiding, the, you know, emotions, stay out of the whole idea of what the media is saying. But one of the things that I think so many people get caught up is making their investment programs sometimes too complicated. So, Drew, help me with this. When, when I say, you know, one of the things you got, one of the risks you take is getting too complicated in your portfolio. What would you tell somebody to say not do this? Uh, well, I would say that for most people, they probably need to stay away from things like options or protected notes and funds or any kind of fund that's trying to double or triple uh, an index's return, or just really, really the obscure You could take stuff. them down a whole path. I know you could do that, but what you're saying is, is, is if they don't really understand it, don't do it. Right. And that's the key right there. That's right. Never invest in something you don't understand. So now that's kind of make sure that you understand how your portfolio works. That's good. Um, I guess when you struggle with something, I know, Scott, you would tell them in this whole sense way with you and Drew both would, if you don't understand it and you're struggling with it, seek advice. Right. We do a lot of education uh, in in what we're sitting down and going over with clients. We, we want them to understand. Now, some people don't want to know every detail, right. but they need to at least understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what's involved in their portfolio. You guys both up. do a great job with that. And I think sometimes people are intimidated. The language is kind of tough, and so I think that's a problem, so that's important. One of the biggest taboos is sometimes, and we try to share this with everybody, is know what you're paying for your investment portfolio. Absolutely. And that's that's so critical. So one of the things that we would say to people – not to do. Don't know what you're what it's costing you. Be your investment advisor should fully disclose what it's costing you to build an investment portfolio. So let's help me with that, guys. Uh, you, you can't control. You can't. Sometimes you can't control expenses, but what you can control, you should control. Absolutely, and you should be getting value for what you're paying for, right? You know, you understand what you're paying and know that you're getting value because where there's value. Cost is not as much as an, of an issue as long as you're getting something back for what you're paying for. I guess one of the biggest things that we would say to people, if you don't know what it's costing you, ask. Ask. Yeah. Yep. Just get, you know. I mean, we're very transparent about our fees. We go over that with clients, and we want them to understand what they're paying because that's a big deal. You know, if you lose a dollar today, you know, you understand the concept of opportunity cost. You not only lose that dollar, you lose what that dollar could have done for you had that's, you not lose it. So. That's a great point. And that's something that investors should look at on a regular basis. They should know year over year what exactly they're paying in those fees. So in understanding it. Exactly. You know, so again, don't let that terminology that somebody's using confuse you. Ask the questions, get the details. I guess, Scott, you did say you don't always want to know the details, but let that advisor give you as much as you possibly can. That's kind of a rule for us in everything we do. Guys, the whole idea, stick to a strategy. We, we kind of give you a summary. Scott, I'll start with you. The whole idea of following the herd. That's a real biggie. Summarize that for me. Well, don't get caught up in following the herd. You know, we, we always give people a framework or a strategy for the decisions we're making, and, and we, we always coach them to stick to that. Don't get caught up 
talking to your friend at work and what they're doing, and maybe they've earned a great return over the last six months, and you want to jump into what they're doing. We we want to we want to have a strategy. We want to know what we're doing. We want to not follow the herd and get caught up in all that. And it's either whether the herd's going up or going or down. Going down. Correct. Okay. Emotions, Drew. <laughs> Yeah, with emotions, as soon as you let your emotions take over, you're essentially letting someone else make your investment decisions for you. That's what that amounts to. Uh, But if you stick to a plan, remember that the portfolio is there to serve the purposes of the plan and not vice versa. If If your plan has not changed, your portfolio shouldn't either. That's a great point. Great point. And so the idea behind diversification and rebalancing, Drew, I mean, Scott? Absolutely. Asset allocation, diversification, and rebalance. Um, Know know your risk tolerance because you want to be invested in a way that you're able to stick with the plan. That's the whole point in developing an asset allocation strategy. It's going to reach your goals. Diversification, then we rebalance to maintain that asset allocation so that we're sticking, we're we're keeping our portfolio in line with our risk tolerance and risk risk capacity and and you, really, you said, you know, making things not so complicated. So if you've got a risk tolerance, a diversification plan, you should understand what you've got. You're managing your risk. That's the key right there. And again, Drew, you said know the fees. Know the fees and don't be afraid to ask. <laughs> don't be afraid to ask. I think the summary statement here, guys, is have a plan. Have a plan. And know the strategy Absolutely. that you're working on, and that's the key. If you'd like to listen to this program again, of course, just go to the podcast and you can do that. Thank you so much for listening. You know, we enjoy giving you the program. If you've got questions for us, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for being a part of today's program. Of course, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guests have been Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson and, of course, Rusty Leonard earlier today. Thank you so much for being a part. We'll see you next week. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brashear and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money.